1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Testing Thursdays with Wayne. Hope you all have had a, a good week uh, since the last time I talked to you all. Weather here in the Maryland area has been absolutely beautiful. Knock on wood, Mother's Day was, was gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous weather. The the one thing that, that kind of occupied me over the past weekend and this coming weekend is, I don't know if some of you know, but I am involved in local area community theater and have been for 51 years since I was 16. And I am currently in a production of The Addams Family, the musical. And I play, believe it or not, Uncle Fester. No, not Wednesday, but Uncle Fester. And I have been told that I am a dead ringer for a combination of Ken Chamberlain, who did the role on Broadway originally, and Christopher Lloyd, who did it in the movies, um, movie version. So as one reviewer called it. I am the illegitimate son of those two, and I'm quirky, quirky, 67-year-old guy playing Fester is quirky. Anyhow, (laughs) but it was a good review, anyhow. So I've been kind of busy lately, and some of you might have seen recent pictures. Um, I had to shave my head and shave my goatee and all that other stuff, but that'll that'll come on back after this weekend. This, This weekend we have four shows, and then that will be it. Until whatever I do next, which I have no idea what I'm going to do, if anything at all. So that begs a uh, good time for me to do do a little conversation with you all. I think one of the weird things, uh, Rudy has actually brought it up a couple times and has screamed. <laughs> or rather, the, the intro has a screaming guy saying, you know, it's not a chlorine. It's a chlorine pool. If it's a saltwater pool or, or a word, something like that, therefore... The title of this particular podcast is is it's what we put on French fries, and I just want to emphasize it because I know that in my neck of the woods and, and most of the northern climes, pool season is is either underway or is now starting, and a lot of people are looking for alternatives when it comes to how to sanitize and oxidize their their pool or hot tub, and there are a, a lot of products, I guess best word, out there that will will do that or will do some portion of that. And a lot of people are looking at our salt systems. And I just kind of want to go over the benefits and the disadvantages, believe it or not, of salt systems. Now, as we know, you use salt in the water to produce chlorine. And chemically, the way it works is pretty simple. Salt, uh, chemically, is NaCl. Na is sodium, and C-L is chloride. So you have sodium chloride, salt. And then you add that to water, which is H2O. So you have N-A-C-L plus H2O. And then when you add that N-A-C-L to H2O and provide a little bit of electricity into the mix, called electrolysis, everything kind of separates out and then reattaches. And then one thing it reattaches is, reattaches, becomes rather, is HOCL? hypochlorous acid. Ding, 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 ding. That's the final Jeopardy question. That is chlorine, guys. Plus, there's a a sodium ion and a hydrogen ion kind of floating off that really doesn't do anything, doesn't really matter. But it produces chlorine. So a, a chlorine generator, a salt system, whatever you want to call it, produces hypochlorous acid, which is an active sanitizer and oxidizer, in your pool. That provides sanitation and oxidation. That's what that's period. That, that, that's the whole point of, of the system. When they first came out, maybe in the in mid eighties, early eighties, really, it was on a limited basis. It was horribly expensive. You can never get the right size. It was only available for commercial pools. And even then, even then it cost an arm or leg. And just the, the 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 technology wasn't quite there yet for recreational water use. As technology improves and increases and and becomes more efficient and understandable, maybe that's the better word, they became more popular. Uh, I can remember uh, at um, classes that I taught in in the mid-90s, and I talked about chlorine generation salt systems. I would ask a class of, of a room full of maybe 100 people, anybody work on any of these, not a single hand or maybe one or two would raise. Now, The last class I I taught last spring before I retired, uh, I asked the same question and just about everybody in the room uh, raised their hand. So you can see the popularity of it is, is increasing and it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, it's salt. It's, it's not going to combust. It's not going to erode. It's not going to uh, uh, degrade. It's, it's salt. it's what we put on French fries, duh. So the, the the advantages, obviously, is that it does. It might cost a little bit more for the upfront cost for the equipment, actually, but in the long run, I mean, you just buy salt. Eh, it's you know everything else goes up in price, I am sure salt has too. But when you compare it to other products that are out there, and how much a bucket of tabs costs, yeah, you might want to go the salt route. It, it, and maintaining your salt level is, is important because maintaining the correct salt level that the manufacturer of the unit recommends requires uh, is critical to efficiency and getting the best bang for your buck. I know that's a, a saying of mine, but but it's so true. Most residential pools nowadays have about oh maybe 3,000 parts per million salt is needed. That's an average. That's it's pretty good. You can taste salty water at about 2,700 parts per million. So some people say that if they have a, a salt pool, they can taste the salty water, and there probably could be. Sorry, that's my drink. Um. Uh, so yeah, you, you can taste salty water. And a lot of people, especially older people, maybe, um that have very dry skin um um like these pools because it makes their skin feel softer it doesn't dry out their skin like a halogen does like chlorine or bromine, and that's a good thing think epsom salts you know if you've been you know, working out or, or whatnot and, or extra exercising and you, you know your whole body just sakes you fill up your tub with hot water and put in some epsom salts and you're just going of uh, you just kind of laying it and relax. Same concept. Um, It's very easy uh, to maintain. You just do a salt test, and then you add salt based on uh, what your reading level is for your test and what the requirement is for your pool. Roughly speaking, let's say a 3,000. If you want to maintain about 3,000 parts per million in, in a residential pool, And you would need to add 250 pounds of salt for every 10,000 gallons of water. Now, I know that sounds like a lot, and it is a lot, but that's how much you need in order to get it up to that 3,000 part per million level. It it dissolves rather quickly. The best way to add it is, well, there's a couple ways uh, you can add additional salt is by just simply pre-mixing it in in a bucket of water and pouring it in once you figure out how much you need to add, uh, that kind of thing. Sometimes if your system is big enough, you can use a brine tank, which is basically, it kind of looks like a toilet tank, and it fills up with heavily salted water, and then once a certain level is reached, it automatically um, adds that heavily salted water into the flow of water back into the pool, but it goes through the electrolysis process in order to break it all apart, and then becomes chlorine. So th- there's a, a couple different ways to do it, or to, to add, to add it into the system. So what what the important thing here is is that you need to maintain that that salt level, whatever the manufacturer uh, requires. Uh, if you don't, you're just shooting yourself in the foot because then your system is is just working too hard in order to try to maintain the right amount of chlorine, or if you overdo it. You have an excess and you could get deposits and scaly water and things like that. So I guess, I guess the next question is, okay, how do we test for salt? Well, there's a couple different ways. The, 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 the first level would be uh, a test strip. A test strip will give you a range of where your salt is. Won't give you an exact number unless you're using some kind of a test strip reader but for simple normal test trip use, it, it's gonna give you a range. Not necessarily the best way to test. It's the cheapest and the quickest, but it's, it's, not, it's not the correct, well, I won't say it's the, not the correct way, it's just not the best way. Because remember with testing and with treatment, you don't wanna to have to guess how much product you need to add to create a change. You, you need to know a specific number. So that's where things like drop tests come in, where you you get a sample of your water, you add something called chromate indicator to the sample, and the sample turns yellow, uh, really, really bright yellow. And then you add silver nitrate, otherwise known as invisible ink, silver nitrate to the treated sample, drop by drop until it goes from that really nice bright yellow color to an adobe brick color, and the change is boom in your face. It's an instantaneous change. So you don't have to worry about, oh, I reached endpoint. Oh, there it is, right in front of my face. But the, the problem with drop tests is that the drop equivalence is pretty high. N- normally, a, an alkalinity or calcium hardness test is around 10 parts per million per drop to go from one color to another. It's called a drop equivalence. Sometimes it could be 20, sometimes it could be 25, sometimes 50. It kind of depends on the manufacturer and, and what it is you're testing for. The drop test for salt that, of course, I'm most familiar with would be the Taylor kit, uh, the K1766. That drop equivalence is 200 parts per million per drop. So if it took 10 drops to go from yellow uh, from yellow to, to brick red, 10 times 200 is, da da 2,000 parts per million. Now, the, the error range in a drop test is usually 10% or one drop in 10. So if it took you 10 drops to get to that endpoint and each drop is equal to 200, if you're off by 10%, you could actually be, instead of a 2,000, anywhere between 1,800 and 2,200 parts per million. Like I said before in a couple podcasts, the, the higher... The drop equivalents, the wider the accuracy range is for a drop test. Same holds true for a full-blown burette test, which most of you don't have. Maybe some of the retail stores do. Uh, their their um, accuracy range is usually anywhere from 1% to 2% plus or minus. And, and that's pretty good. But again, th- those are kind of expensive and a and, and little onerous to, to try to operate. And people kind of freak out when they see they have to try to do that, so they stick with the drop test. And for all intents and purposes, the drop test is fine. You can also do electronic testing with the photometer, a spectrophotometer, a color you know, the portable colorimeter, those kind of things. The, they have incredible accuracy, usually to three decimal places. But with, with this incredible accuracy comes an incredible cost too. They they are expensive. Uh, when compared to your standard wet chemistry kit, so uh, choose wisely <laughs> uh, and economically when you're looking at what kind of testing system to use, because you're never really sure if, 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 if you know if you're really getting again your bang for your buck on on the cost of a, uh, an an expensive electronic piece. So you you do your test, say with the drop test, and you get this answer of two thousand parts million, and you need to be at 3,000. So you know you have to increase your salt level by a 1,000 parts per million. Well, there's charts all over the place, and more than likely on the back of the container of of the salt from the manufacturer. That will tell you how much to add. Now, a question that I got in a recent CPO class that I taught up in uh, Wildwood, New Jersey about a month ago now, uh, the young lady said, well, is there a difference in salt There are various forms of salt? And I said, well, absolutely. First of all, salt is sodium chloride. Now, chlorides are generally salt-based too. There's different kinds of chlorides. You've got potassium chloride. Got... There's a whole bunch out there. But sodium chloride is what you want because that's what salt is, table salt. Now, there's also things like kosher salt. There is rock salt. There is uh, industrial-grade salt, which is what you should be looking at. You should not be using food grade salt to add to your pool to make sure that it's producing chlorine efficiency. It doesn't work like that. I mean, it'll work because it, it's a it's a sodium chloride, but it's it's food grade the classification and not commercial grade. Commercial grade is the kind that you want. So you just can't go to your local grocery store and pick up a Big bag of salt and expect to be able to to get you know results from using that. You just won't get results at all. Just as best to go to your local pool and spa store uh, and buy the right kind of salt that they will have there uh, for your system. Now, the, the other thing too is that you know again another favorite phrasing of mine is no good deed goes unpunished, and for all the good things. That a chlorine generator system does, there are some things to watch out for. I'm not even going to say bad things because they're really not bad, bad, but they're, but they're things that could adversely affect other things that are happening in the water. I know that sounded really stupid, but I'll explain in a moment. The, the, the disadvantages to salt systems generally, there, there's a few. The, the big one is pH. It will raise pH big time. And I'm talking big time. You're talking what, you know, maybe you're going from a normal 7.3 or 4 reading up to 7.8, 7.7, even above 8. Uh, and that's because of the salt. So, usually, unless your initial pH reading is low from the get go, you're going to constantly being you're going to constantly add acid to lower and control the pH, uh, whether this is a form of uh, you know, uh, plumbing in an automatic acid feed system or uh, hand-adding acid on your own, that kind of thing. doesn't matter, but you're going to have to add some, some acid in order to control that pH down to a level where it's supposed to be, um, the pH. Now, the other disadvantage to using salt is that it does contribute to TDS greatly. And remember that TDS stands for total dissolved solids, and that is simply the sum of everything that we've ever added to that pool or spa water over the course of time. All the inert materials that you can't see because they're dissolved uh, are adding up now to the point where the pool's looking kind of dull, maybe cloudy, slow chemical reactions, things like that. So... Instead of taking a TDS test annually, I would say every six months is probably the best way to do it when you're dealing with a salt system. So we've got a high pH, we've got a high high contribution to TDS. That's where it pretty much stops. Just have to be really, really aware of how much salt you need, how much will it evaporate due to weather, all the other all the other Things I hate to use the word things, uh, all the other things that get into the water can affect overall pH. We can, which is part of what salt is contributing to, especially the high pHs. So even if you have, say, a spa where there's aeration and it's on a chlorine generator, man, you've got to be really careful, as you remember, aeration will also increase pH. So you you got a, a, a three, three-horned monster there trying to uh, attach itself. I'm going to finish up today with something kind of sort of funny. But my, my wife and I apparently are now uh, addicted to um, HGTV and the home renovation shows that are out there. So many different ones out there. But I particularly like the ones from uh, House Hunters where they take around a couple to look at three different houses, which we all know they've already picked out because we know it's kind of fake. But they'll go to a pool where there's uh, a house where there's a pool and the agent will go, oh, look, the pool's on salt. You don't need chlorine. You you just want to hurt somebody. Hurl something at the TV, scream at them, yell at them. You idiot. No, that's wrong. You're giving wrong information. (sighs) A little education can go a long way. So... With all that, I will leave you for this week. Have a wonderful and safe week upcoming. Uh, Memorial Day is is soon approaching, and I hope you get the opportunity to spend some time with family and, and relax a little bit before everything starts back up again. If you have any questions or comments or suggestions for a topic, please feel free to send them to talkingpools at gmail.com and they will be forwarded to me, uh, and I will address them at the next podcast. So until then, everyone, take care. Be talking at you. Bye-bye.